When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast, live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and later on our podcast channel. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and joined by our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. We record this episode in the hours after Newcastle's 0-0 draw with Arsenal. A fantastic result, Aaron, down at the Emirates against the country's best side. Now, I said... Spurs was the biggest win under Eddie Howe. I actually think this result, despite it not being a victory, trumps it. I think this was the performance and the result that says to anyone that was still down it that Newcastle mean business and they are here to stay, especially in this race for the top four. I think we saw a team that was organised and disciplined, but also carried a threat under previous managers. They would go down there, they would sit back and they would absorb it. And if Newcastle could get a point, it would be a bonus. That would kind of be the team talk. And there was an element of absorbing it in many ways last night at the Emirates. But you also knew that if they got the chance on the threat, on the on the counter, they would be a threat. And you always felt that they could hurt Arsenal. And I felt something that was even more refreshing than all of that was Eddie Howe's comments after the game. He spoke about how happy he was about the you know, the discipline, nature and the defence and what have you, but also that he was disappointed that they didn't carry more threat. Again, previous managers going down to the Emirates, especially in Arsenal that are in good form, taking a point, taking a clean sheet, they'd be hanging their hat on that. That would be, you know, the result of the season for Steve Bruce, maybe Rafa Benitez, but Eddie Howe, he's not having that. He's not having that. He sees the, he sees the positives, but he wants more striving. He wants more I mean, just how refreshing is it to hear those comments after that game, after such a good performance as well, to say, actually, you know what? We're not done. I want more from this side. Yeah, look, it, it typifies, you know, what Eddie Howe's all about. He's never satisfied if Newcastle don't win. And even though, as you say, he was going to, you know, the best team in the league, the most informed team in the league ahead of Newcastle, there was still that element of disappointment that they couldn't snatch it towards the end. I think it's a huge statement. Yes, they didn't go and win, but everybody thought, how are they going to react? It's the biggest test they've had in a long time after, you know, quite a, a handsome run of fixtures. And they've measured Arsenal, you know, pound for pound, step for step. And is it a bigger result than Spurs? I'm not sure. But it, as we've just been saying before we came on air, if anyone was in doubt as to whether Newcastle United can mix it with the best this season, they've been given an answer because... That's Tottenham away, Arsenal away, Manchester United away. No defeats and obviously losing to Liverpool away in the 98th minute. It just shows that Newcastle United can go toe-to-toe with anyone in this division. I mean, Arsenal had been scoring goals for fun. They'd been winning games for fun. And Newcastle just frustrated them. They had a game plan. They stuck to it. They'd clearly been well organised, which is even more of an achievement given the quick turnaround in games because playing leads are totally different set up to play in Arsenal, isn't it? So fair play to Eddie Howe and the coaching staff and the players for buying into the plan. And it worked. You you saw that, by the way, Mikel Arteta was frustrated on the touchline. By the way, Arsenal towards the end of the game was showing a little bit of desperation. 
Uh, Newcastle went down there. They played well. Didn't get the win that they, they set out, out for. Because make no mistake, Eddie Howe wanted three points. And he didn't, you know, he, he wouldn't... That's not me just saying it and easy to say. You know, you know Eddie Howe wants to win every game and he's genuine in that aim. So he didn't get that, but they performed so well. And as we both said there, you know, any doubters about Newcastle's longevity in this race of the top four, this is a massive mark I set down. Look, everybody knew they were going to go there and they weren't going to sit back. It's not the style of player that Howe wants them. We know whether they're playing Arsenal away or Bournemouth at home, they're going to press teams and they're going to try and hurry them into mistakes. I thought the first 10, 15 minutes... It looked a bit nervy, as you know. We spoke to Tom Canton from Football London yesterday, who said Arsenal really like to start games quickly. Those first ten minutes, if it can grab a goal, that's what Arteta is all about. The weather that storm, well, I thought yes, it looked a bit, you know, nervy at times, but they did all right. And then they grew in the game. Yes, they didn't have too many chances in attack, but you know they started getting the better of Arsenal at the back. And I think there's a growing pattern now. You saw it at Liverpool, you saw it at home at Chelsea, and you seen it last night. Newcastle are getting accused of, of time-wasting. And look at it, yes, maybe they're, they're starting to slow games down. But their game management now against the big teams is absolutely second to none. I mean, to get Arteta that flustered last night, if Arsenal want to go win the league, then himself and his players have got to respond better to that. I mean, I don't even think Newcastle United were... You know, making that, that obvious. Yes, the, as I say, they were trying to slow the game down, but Arteta just absolutely lost his rag. And this is what Eddie Howe's teams are doing to Klopp and Arteta and Graham Potter and, and big, big players who have got plenty of experience now. And there's a bigger picture element to it. It's not just what Newcastle are doing in those 90 minutes. You know, these teams, maybe Klopp a bit more than Arteta, but, you know, these teams that are getting frustrated, these you know so-called top six teams, they know that Newcastle... If everything goes to plan, they're here to stay in the top six. And really, you know, someone's or three or four of them are going to have to miss out because Newcastle are now real contenders for the top four, real contenders for the title in, in some people's eyes. I know what nine points off, but um, that's why the likes of Klopp and Arteta get so frustrated. Arteta a little bit more because he obviously realizes he needs to keep winning before the first man city and what have you. But Newcastle are really starting to rattle the established sides, and it is. From Newcastle point of view, it's great to see opposition managers getting so flustered and so frustrated. Uh, James or uh, Jason Arthur there rather says to go to the Emirates and come away with a nil-nil draw is an amazing result for the tune. Amazing defensive performance, and we've also got James Hilliam in the comments as well saying to be the first team to cost Arsenal points at the Emirates is excellent to show adaptability on our game plans this season is a real progress, and I totally agree with James there. Eddie Howe, you know, is adapting tactics, is adapting game plan to, to the opposition they, they face. And it is it is great to see. And they were, what I enjoyed last night was there was an early warning sign, wasn't there, from Saka when he, he did Dan Byrne. And then there was another from Odegaard shortly after. And Dan Byrne in those moments looked very, very vulnerable. But Newcastle woke up, they realised, and then started to double up on the likes of Saka, just to help Dan Byrne out, who, after that, had had a very good game. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it did look nervy the first 10, 15 minutes. We said yesterday on the podcast that we thought that might be the match-up that Courtney Cassie United out. We know that, you know, Dan Byrne, he, he really struggled with Anthony at Old Trafford, didn't he? And, and we thought it would be the same with Saka. One thing I will say, you know, I saw some calls before the game on social media, oh, it's time to bring Maxi back. That decision to play Joel in the left wing was an absolute masterstroke, and 
I said it, I called it, we I both, said yeah. he was going to have a brilliant yeah, game. Yeah, he did. And you know what it is? I thought he started slow, but once he started doubling up and him and Willick started, you know, tripling up sometimes on Saka, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He ran into the ground, all three midfielders did. I thought Fabian Scher did as well. Just a really spirited, gutty performance. And, you know, we've been so used to seeing Newcastle putting three or four or five goals past the lesser teams this season. But when they need to really knuckle down, backs against the wall, really graft to get a point, we're seeing them doing it against the biggest sides. And I think, yes, Howe might be disappointed with how it went last night and, you know, not not taking all three points. But I don't think you can have any real disappointment going there and playing like that in that manner and coming away with a draw. And we'll hear from Eddie Howe and McGarth uh, later in the show. But just on your cast performance as a whole, you said they are in very spirited. You mentioned Joe Linton, who had a, had a, had a cracking game. How much of it is down to believing that they belong in that top four? I think, I mean, it's something that we say on this podcast all the time, the spirit and the confidence running through that dressing room. What Eddie Howe has instilled in that team, the fact that he said to them, you can go to any division, any stadium in this league, home or away, and beat the best teams. And I think the players know that. I mean, there was times yesterday where you thought Newcastle might be able to nick it, but yes, they were under the cosh towards the end, but you never felt like inevitable that they were going to concede. I mean, that back four, you know, well, that back five, I've never seen a more confident, you know, defensive back line for Newcastle United. And it, and it all stems from Eddie Howe telling the players you know, it doesn't matter if it's Arsenal, we are City at home, we can get something here and actually be disappointed not to get even more. Well, it's interesting because on BBC Five Live earlier in the week, I think it was Nigel Riacoca was talking about how players, no matter what age you are, how experienced you are, they just love to be coached. They, you know, they want to be told what position to be in, what the game plan is, what they need to do individually to help the team. And he pinpointed Eddie Howe's work at Newcastle as an example of where that's happening and where the club, the players, the team is reaping the uh, awards. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's something that, you know, hasn't happened overnight. And even though they had a fantastic 2022, you feel like now, even after that fantastic end of the season, we're really seeing the best of Eddie Howe. And I mean, look, it's been well documented, the amount of players he's turned around and the Joel and the Armrons, the Crafts, the long stuff, Willicks, how many players he's inherited. And it goes back to something we say a lot, and it's about even Lascelles, Fraser, Carrius, players that aren't even playing on the pitch, are being coached, they've got the arm on the shoulder, and that feeling subsequently in the group is just one of absolute positivity. And look, this run has got to end somehow, somewhere. But is I it? just but I just don't see does it not end, does it not end with a Premier League title? I just think I've, I've never known a manager come in, especially taking over a club, 19th in the league, and not have a single blip. Look, yes, that the first couple of months weren't easy, but ever since that Leeds game away last Jan, it's just been plain sailing, and you just think, you can't see where it's going to end. No, and fingers crossed, it doesn't. What we will do now is hear from Eddie Howe in his press conference after the game last night at the Emirates. I think our resilience, I think, into that second half, it was a long half for us. And I think um, probably in a year ago, we would have uh, found a way to concede there. And I think it just got a newfound resilience to the team. And I think a lot of that's not just physical, but mental as well. We managed to withstand pressure late in the game. The players' fitness levels is very, very high. 
and just the collective energy is very good at the moment. So I think all those things combined meant we, uh, we didn't concede. That is one thing I would love to do. Right? I would love to be able to spend a day up at Newcastle United training ground and go through the fitness regime that they are clearly put to because they are so fit. I was thinking last night about they just never look tired and yet they put in so many yards across the pitch. You don't let the opposition have a moment's rest. You know, when they've not got the ball, they're working so hard. When they've got the ball, they're travelling distances at pace. I, I would just love to know the ins and outs of that fitness schedule that all those players are, are being put through on a daily basis. I mean, I saw Arsenal fans complaining last night on social media of how many Newcastle players went down with cramp and other ailments. That's actually no wonder, given you know how far they run, the sprints they're doing, the recovery work off the ball is just absolutely fantastic. And I mean, it, it just beggars belief that this was the side he inherited from Steve Bruce. You had Wilson, Lascelles, Shelby, and all not so subtle ways coming out and saying that the fitness wasn't perfect. In the space of a year, he's turned them into absolute machines. And I mean, the only thing you've got to worry about is as the season gets on, they're in, they're still in two cup competitions. They're going to potentially be in a top four race. It's going to be very, very physically demanding. You look at that bench last night, there's not too many options to come off it that could change the game. You even look at Chef Wed this Saturday. And if he wants to rest the full midfield, which you know he probably won't do, given he wants to take the cup seriously, who really do you have three more midfielders that come in that team? I don't think you do. So I think I think there's one thing maybe that they run the risk of, of burnout later in the season, but certainly for now, um, the graph they're putting in is is absolutely exceptional. Roger Cook saying what a nil nil, definitely not a bored draw, and Craig saying great result considering the fixtures. The others have coming up against each other. Um, people are just very, very happy at the result, at the performance. And I, I, just, I just keep thinking about how well they did. Just chasing Arsenal down. An Arsenal side who are deservedly top of the league, who I think might feel a bit hard done by when everyone is, is fully expecting, or most people are fully expecting Man City to, to chase them down and win the title in the end. You know, There was times last night when I was just sat in amazement at how quickly they passed the ball and how quickly they moved. It didn't happen too often, which is applaud it to Newcastle and Eddie Howe. But the times that you know Arsenal just had control of the game, they look a really good side. And the fact that we're sitting here saying that didn't happen too many times shows you just how well Newcastle United did last night. I mean, you don't have to go back a couple of days to the Brighton game away to see how easy they can pick teams apart. I mean, as... Arteta's ingrained this sort of football and DNA into his players where they're sort of playing similar to how City used to play under Guardiola and I'm sure Arteta's taken a lot of that but they're quick passing their triangles and as you say there was never really a moment where you thought okay Newcastle are getting absolutely outplayed and ran off the park here especially after the sort of 15 minutes once they'd settled into the game so make no bones about it I think Alongside Newcastle, Arsenal have been the best you know, form side this league. They've been tearing teams apart. You know, obviously they haven't dropped any points at home before last night. It's it's a remarkable result and a remarkable performance, and you just want this run to just keep going forever. What kind of springboard does it give Newcastle to to hold and deservedly hold the top side to a nil nil draw? It, it gives them an absolute massive platform. You look at the next sort of five or six games in the Premier League and in the Cup; they're all winnable. 
they've got to fancy them to go and keep this run going at Chef Wed. They're going to have a massive crowd behind them for Leicester. Fulham, West Ham and Palace, you'd you'd fancy, you know, I'm hoping I'm not putting the jinx on it here, but you'd fancy at least maybe two wins out of that. Um, it's a huge platform. They've played, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the top six sides away from home already. Yes, they've still got to go at the Etihad and welcome a lot of the teams back to St. James's Park, but you'd fancy them to, to beat anybody. And I think tough for debate rather than a title race. I think it probably splits opinion. I think the more optimistic fans will say, yeah, they can claw back nine points. Maybe me and you will look at each other thinking it's it's maybe a little hurdle too big, but they're certainly the runner for the top four. And I think that five-point gap, especially given how the teams around them are stuttering, it's theirs to lose, really. Let them go under the radar of the title race. If people want to write them off, just let Eddie Howe and Newcastle United go about their their, their day job quietly and, and let's see what happens at the end of the season. But it is maybe, uh, as things stand, a step too far. They had their own chances last night to win the game. Um, you know, there were very few clear-cut chances, but Joe Linton had an effort at the end of the first half. Should he have scored that, that, that header? No doubt about it. That was that was a, a big chance, and I think in games of that nature where it can, you know, it can literally hang on one chance, you've got to be finishing it. But yeah, it's hindsight, isn't it? Hindsight is just it's bad heading. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, sh- he should have finished it, and especially especially in a game of that magnitude where you don't have too many chances. Wilson looked a bit off the pace. Wood didn't offer too much. I think it was what six touches when he came on. Those are the chances you've really got to be taking, isn't it? Well, this is probably the one negative aspect to come out of of last night is the depth of the bench, the depth of the squad. Because when Chris Wood comes off the bench for Callum Wilson, who had a quiet game, you're not expecting a goal. Then you look at Jacob Murphy, who isn't. There's no doubt in you know these players' commitment and effort to the cause. But do Newcastle need just a bit more to secure a top four spot to, to keep building because the bench is maybe Alan St. Maxman aside, obviously Isaac's not on it, but when he's back, him aside, is there really enough to, to push Newcastle forward? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think last night Wood and Murphy coming on before Maxi was maybe how trying to you know show up the game rather than go and try and win it. I don't think anybody was sort of very excited about the, the chances of them going to get a winner when, when those two replaced Wilson and Miggy, but a lot of it, and I know I keep going back to it, a lot of it rests on Isaac. There's got to be something up with Maxi from to only get three minutes, whether it was just the, the game of that nature and the fact Newcastle were under the cosh. But, I mean, you know, this is a player that was absolutely tearing Manchester City's defence apart only three months ago. Now, I mean, I'm sure he'll get his opportunity Saturday when, when Howe rotates in the cup, but you just you just can't find a way into this team at the minute. Do you need that discipline against an all-side? Because that was the time of the game when... Yes, going forward, you could use someone like Maxi because he's got the legs and he can run at the defences. But also, at the same time, Arsenal are throwing absolutely everything at you. So you need a bit of discipline. Um, and, you know, we know he's not that defensively minded. So maybe that had an element into why Murphy comes off the bench first because, in theory, he's a little bit better um, when it comes to, you know, helping out the fullbacks. Yeah, I can see that. And I mean, look, there's no doubt Murphy offers a lot more defensively than Maxi would on the other flank. But, I mean, you've touched on that house come out when his post-match press and saying, oh, I'm disappointed it wasn't more. Well, really, if if that is really what you think, surely Maxi was, should have been on that pitch a lot earlier because I think 
then you have to rely. And then I get it, it's, it's a gamble, you're rolling the dice, and that's what a gamble is. But you have to rely on Maxi delivering the goods. You know, he goes up the pitch, he loses the ball, Arsenal attack, Dan Burns exposed where he, like he was in the first 10, 20 minutes. But would, would you trust Maxi to deliver the business or Jacob Murphy? Well, that, I mean, that's why Eddie Howe's played the big bucks. And, and we were talking, weren't we, off, off camera about there was a moment when Jacob Murphy, he goes forward and he kind of goes sideways. He loses the ball and Arsenal take it up to Newcastle's left-hand side and Murphy follows it. He tries to win it back, but then that left trip he exposed over on the right-hand side. And that's the sort of discipline that you need when you are facing these top sides. It's not pretty, but that's what you need. And Miggy, Miggy provides that. Uh, Joe Linton, when he's out on the left, he provides it. You then look around. It's difficult, though, isn't it? Because if I'm honest, I feel like we've gone off topic. Because really, the question was, do they need more for bench? And the answer is they do. Because I think even whether it's Maxi or Murphy or Wood, you do need more. And and Isaac needs to come back and 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 quickly. They need more depth, not just an attack. But I think they need as a priority. They need another midfielder in this this window. Defensive, creative. Um, I'd like to see defensive. I'd like to see someone who can hold. Um, which allows Bruno to go forward, which allows obviously Willock in that 10 role. Um, but I just think you look at that depth in the midfield and I just don't think we've, they've got enough. So in short, they need more for bench and, and they need it this month probably. Roger's saying he would like a defensive midfielder to allow Bruno to get more attacking while making the defence even more solid. That with a fit Isaac would give Newcastle a titanium spine. It's interesting because we've mentioned there the character within the dressing room, anyhow, I was asked about earlier in the week about how important the character is within the squad and any arrivals will have to fit into that. And there's no doubt in the effort and the character of the likes of Murphy, of the likes of Wood. But at what point do you have to say, that's all good, but we need, we need better players? Like, where does the balance come? Because it's a difficult balance to get. It is, and I think... I mean, I think in a year's time, we probably won't be having this conversation because I think in a couple of transfer windows time, you'll have a squad where pretty much everyone's on the same level. I don't think, um, you know, the squad's anywhere near that at the minute. I think you've probably got 12 or 13 standouts and then the rest are sort of, you know, settling for places on the bench and, and maybe worrying about the long-term future. Um, so, Chris Wood... He's trying, he's trying to fit into the system, but I just think, you know, when you're looking for a winner in a game like that last night, he's, he, you were never really confident that he's going to supply the goods. Unfortunately, and John Askew makes an excellent point. Fantastic to have a great defence, which we will discuss in a moment. But um, he says, however, we haven't scored for a two and a half uh, games. Should this be addressed in the window? Well, regular listeners to the podcast, well, I definitely think it should be. But that Aaron is certainly easier said than done. Yeah, and look, I mean, um, I can't remember which pundit it was last night on Sky, but they made a very good point, and that is that pretty much the entire Premier League is going to be looking for a new forward. I mean, Manchester United are going to want one. Chelsea will certainly want one. Arsenal are looking for a Gabby Jesus, which means, you know, Newcastle are already fighting a battle to lure, you know, talented players in that position in the Premier League. Um a lot of it rests on Isaac. I mean, if if Isaac had been fully fit this season, and I know it's a big if, but would we really be sat here thinking they need another one? I'm, I'm not so sure we would. But I think I probably would, you know. 
I think I probably would. But let's let's just say, look, this is all hypothetical, and Isaac had either overcome his injury a lot earlier, or he'd never got injured in the first place. He's got seven or eight goals in this team. He's keeping Wilson and out the team. All of a sudden, you're bringing Callum Wilson off the bench instead of Chris Wood. Woods or third place. I just a lot of it. I don't think it would be him. it would become a pro. I don't think it would have been a priority, but I still but think, still think we, I still think they were short in that area because just the way they play, it, you know, it doesn't suit Chris Wood, unfortunately. But it's certainly going to be interesting to see what they do in January. We discussed previously. You know, do they roll the dice because of the position they're in, or do they stick to to the plan and build gradually? But you know, Liverpool out of form, Chelsea out of form, you know, they might not get a better chance no, than this. No, no European football to hold them back. It, they are they are in, in quite a privileged position to have a fantastic advantage going into 2023. I think the one thing Eddie Howe's been, you know, pretty, yes, he hasn't given too much away transfer-wise, but one thing he's been pretty solid on recently is the fact that he doesn't want to spend for the sake of it. He doesn't want to pay over the odds. It's the same as in the summer. And I think the message for this month is it'll be gradual buy where they need to buy rather than you know feeling like they need to go out and do you know 100 millions worth of business so look we'll know in four weeks time but I think I think if you could say to me now Newcastle are only going to sign two players this month I would want a midfielder then a backup right back and then third it would be a, a striker nah get out man get out third it's got, it has to be does that have to be first? Yeah, I think it, I one. think it does. So you look at that midfield of because Isaac's going to take right. So Isaac's been out for for goodness knows how long now. Even when he's fit, he's not going to be match fit. So that's going to take at least a few weeks for him to get back to back to you know scratch. We saw it with John Shelby how many weeks it took for him to get to a level of where he could actually play, and then unfortunately he's going to got injured. So Isaac's going to have to go through the same thing where he builds up that match fitness. Chris Wood, he's trying. Great man having the squad, it's just not working for him. Callum Wilson doesn't look quite right just yet. Even if he just has an off day, Newcastle are lacking goals. They're lacking a forward man. So do you so if it's priority number one, what type of strike do they go and buy? Do they go and buy? I think they're going to try and buy someone that better can, than Isaac and Wilson on their well, level. If that, lesser. Per, if that person is out there, I mean you always you always want to buy better, don't you? I mean, again, that's easier said than done. But I would try and get someone, if it was my decision, in the same mould as Wilson, who can just you know fit straight into the way they play, can run the channels, can chase the, the ball down, uh, chase the defenders down, because you know that's what, unfortunately what Chris Wood can't do. Yeah, and look, it, I, I don't disagree that they probably do need more attack, but I just think in this window with not too much money that they're willing to spend, I think you've just got to focus, prioritise other parts of the squad. That midfield looks so short now, Shelby is injured. I think Joel and Willick and Longstaff looked absolutely shattered last night. They've still got five games this month. Um, I just I just think a midfielder needs to be the priority number one. Let us know in the comments what you think the priority should be this January. We've got John Steele here saying, we're talking strikers, why not give QL or Stevenson a go? They could save us millions and maybe better than we think. But we know QL is set to go out on loan somewhere. We don't quite know where yet, but there seems to be plenty of interest. He was in the stands last night watching the game. 
and Stevenson obviously performing really well uh, in the in the uh, the youth setup. Um, but you know, it's 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 a big big ask to throw a youngster in the mix, isn't it? It's a big jump, especially in a top four race, especially when they haven't had too much first team experience. And look, I've got no doubt that they're both fantastic players, especially Grand Kowal. But are they are they the answer at this stage of the season? I'm not too sure. Shall we talk about Newcastle's defence? Somewhere where they, at least first team wise, don't need to improve because I'm not sure how you can get any better. I'm actually maybe going to have to set up another fan club. We know we've got the um, the Miguel Mion fan club. I think it's time for Sven Botman fan club, isn't it? I think I think Gibbo would be a lot more open to Sven Botman than a Miguel Mion fan club. I mean, I think you'd have a a mailing list very long for uh, for applications for that one. Fantastic again. Just he just looks, he just makes it look so easy. I mean, every game. I, I think he went under the radar last night. I think you know you haven't really heard his name being mentioned, but I thought he was fantastic again. Kept uh, Eddie and Ketty are really quiet. I mean, he's already been talked about as as sort of. You know, the Woodgate of he's the best centre back fans have ever seen. And he's played 18 games. I think that that just sums it up. He looks a different class already. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll keep banging the drum. For 32, 33 million, he looks an absolute bargain. Absolutely. And it's a bit like Bruno, you're questioning where these so called top six sides were and their scouts when these guys are not only available, but available for what 30, 40 million quid. I mean, pennies for two months. I've got the stats here somewhere for, for, for Sven Botman because it is quite remarkable. 18 games of which Newcastle's won 12, lost none, kept 12 clean sheets. I mean, absolutely amazing. That's the strength and the ability. Sven Botman, you know, Fabian Share was performing well before he came in. He's gone up. A level Dan Byrne looks very comfortable at left back, which is not a sentence I thought I'd hear myself say. Kieran Trippier's Kieran Trippier, and then Nick Pope, as we said on yesterday's episode, I still maintain that he's probably the bargain of the, the new Newcastle United era. And again, you know, we were speaking about often he doesn't have to do too much because you know Newcastle are, are quite solid at the back, but when it when he's called upon in those brief moments, he's there and he did it last night. With a fantastic save uh, from from the Arsenal striker, uh, how am I going to pronounce it? Because we know my pronunciation is shocking. Go on, Nketiah. There we go. See, I believed in myself. I mean, that, it was a fantastic save because Botman's gone to the ground to try and to try and stop him. He gets the ball, gets a shot off through Botman, and Pope must see that pretty late. And he's only what seven or eight yards out of, from goal as well. Yeah, there was a fantastic save in the first half as well from Saka. Whenever he's called upon. Um, he's been fantastic. It's, it's coming out for crosses, the way he just sort of marauds around that box and, and dominates it. Absolutely fantastic. And I mean, it just seems like not only Pope, but that back four in front of him. I, I've never seen a more confident Newcastle back line. And I think it's, it's hard to believe that three of them joined the club, sorry, four of the back five joined the club this last year. I mean, it look like they've been playing together for absolute years. And while we're on the topic of the defence, I just want to give a big shout out to Jamal Lascelles, who continues to play a part on that touchline. I mean, two yellow cards and he hasn't been on the pitch. It's, that is leadership, if you ask me. Fantastic. But you know what? He was right, though. 
I mean, the guy walked four or five yards ahead of where the ball needed to be thrown in from. Fantastic, the fact that he's got <laughs> two yellow cards for that. Even play. And it just goes to show as well the, the good character of him because well, he hasn't played, has he? He'll probably play, you would imagine, maybe against Sheffield Wednesday. But when he comes in, he does a job. He hasn't kicked up a fuss. You know, he's accepted his fate and he's just still being that captain off the pitch. And I mean, if I'm completely honest, I think his game is even though he hasn't been playing, has actually improved in recent weeks. Whenever he's came in, you know, you sort of used to have this thing with ourselves, especially in the Bruce Sattley, you know, he's prone to a mistake or, you know, he's maybe the weak link at times. You don't really get that anymore. And I, I go back to that performance at Anfield where, yes, they got beat, but, you know, he, he had a really, really solid performance and very, very good leader to have around the dressing room. And I think a very, very good decision to keep him at the club, even if even though he's not on the pitch. An interesting point here, though, from, from John Askew. He says, the only problem with the defence is the ageing process. Botman is the only young one, and this will need to be addressed going forward. It's Triplett's 32. I think Fischer's 31. 30, yeah. 30, Dan Burns, 30. So, John's got a point there. But at the same time, football is a totally different game to what it once was. These players can go on for a long time. And even defence where, you know, you need to be a bit quicker than... Well, there are areas in the pitch, you know, if you're fit, you and you can you can go on till you know 33, 34 to a decent stand. I mean, I don't see Q and Trippier giving up that right back spot um the next couple of seasons. No, one hundred percent. And I mean, yes, I mean John makes a fantastic point about their age, but I mean, remember twelve months ago, who was the who was the back four? It was probably Mankio, Lascelles, Cher yeah. and Richie at Richie at left back. I mean a lot of things can change in a year, as we've seen on Newcastle, on Newcastle. So it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of transfers windows time, they're maybe trying to bring in a, a younger centre-back that can maybe partner Botman long-term. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future that left-back position is, is maybe solved as well. But, I mean, these are these are dilemmas to, to worry about in the future. I wouldn't see you know, any need to change anything at the back right now. Um Craig saying we've had some top keepers, but Nick Pope is undoubtedly the best his presence is unmatched. So better than Shea Gillen. It's a bold call. Better than Shaka. Better than Pav. Better than Tim Cruel. It's a bold call by Craig. I think Jury's um, still out on that one. I think maybe if he can do it over a five or six year period, but I don't think anyone he's getting in my Newcastle 11 above Shea given it at the minute. Five, five or six year period is, is the market. Yeah, I think rather than five or six months, we'll go five or six years. Well, that's, I mean... I mean that that's the standard she given his set, I guess. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean he's on he's well on his way though, isn't he? Yeah, and I think yeah, he is well on his way and in, in, in any sort of doubts that fans may have had about throwing Pope in over to Bravka in the summer have, have been proved absolutely spot on. And one thing I would just want to say on to Bravka is I thought it was quite telling last night that he was straight on the bench. I didn't expect him to be thrown back in from the outset. And I think you know it, it leaves Carius as position in a very, very precarious um, position at the moment. And I think, you know, Carl Darlow must probably be sitting there. If Carl Darlow's fully fit yesterday, you're sitting there thinking, hang on, that's that's maybe a bit bang out of order. So it very, very, as we touched on yesterday morning, very interesting to see what to do with those four keepers this month. That's going to be an interesting month um, across the board. And we'll bring you live coverage of the transfer window every day on a dedicated live blog over on chroniclelive.co.uk. Now, you guys watching the game last night, listening to the game, following it through a live blog, however you you know uh, watched it or caught up on it, would have seen Mikel Arteta 
going a little bit crazy on the touchline. He wasn't very happy uh, in the dying stages of the game. He felt Arsenal should have had a penalty for a handball. Jacob Murphy uh, would have been sweating a little bit as the, the, the decision went to VAR. The VAR said no penalty. For me, that one was never a penalty. Where else can Jacob Murphy's arm go? The other one, Dan Byrne, I have to say, um, I think it was probably a penalty. I think if that's the other way around and Gabrielle's clinging on to Dan Byrne's shirt like that, I think Newcastle United fans are probably, you know, a lot more disappointed than they would be today. I think that was an absolute stonewaller and I'm very, very surprised VR didn't overturn it. And I think, you know, if if the shoe had been on the other foot, Arteta would have been absolutely furious to concede a 95th minute penalty with someone's arm in a position like that. So I think the referee, I mean... I can't believe we've got this far in the podcast. I haven't mentioned. I'm, do you know what? I'm sick happy of talking referee. about how bad the referees have been because we had one. Was it against Leeds? We had one. Was 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 bad. Right? I'm, we seem to go through stages of, of of having bad referees every so often, and they're not just bad; they're really bad. I mean, what he was doing yesterday, he set the precedent, and you know the commentators. Uh, I can't remember who was who was the, the commentator, but he was exactly exactly right. You know by Given, I think Bruno got one, didn't he? And there was someone else that got one. Then he then he stopped giving out yellow cards for a bit. It was all just an absolute mess. He, he lost control of that game in the first half. I think between the 27th minute and the 42nd minute, he dished out five yellow cards. I mean, five and 15 minutes, you, you know you've lost the game. I think he was he really needed that half-time whistle to go um, from his own lips. But yeah, I thought second half, he sort of tried to calm it down and then lost it again after you booked Jordan, but I, th- I thought that burn on Gabriel decision was, was very, very harsh for Arsenal. Shall we hear from Mikel Arteta? Because he wasn't very happy. I'm really proud. The way we played, um, the way we dominated the game, the, um, the approach that we had from the beginning. We lacked that spark in the final third to find the opening, to find the right moment, um, an extra pass and a little bit of finishing quality, but we had a lot of situations in and around the box to to do better, um, and then yeah, there were two scandalous penalties. You, you felt particularly the last one. Both of them. It's not particular. It's a penalty or not a penalty, and it's both penalties. Interesting. I mean, like I say, Dan Burn one for me is a penalty. I think he's got away with one there. The handball, definitely not. Um, but Arteta, as we've kind of mentioned already in this episode, he he seems to not be handling handling sitting at the Premier League. Too well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Arsenal have looked so you know calm and composed on the pitch this season, and I thought it was quite um, out of character for Arteta to do that yesterday, especially how wound up he was getting it. You know the apparent time wasting and Jason Tindall, you know, constantly being out of the technical area, and then you know the way that he exploded with that late penalty decision. I thought Eddie Howe was actually quite right to go over and say. Hang on, you know, you, it's not often you see Eddie break character like you that. You really though, is it? don't see how loses rag on the on the touchline at all. He's you know even when Newcastle score, he's not that animated um, for too long. When decisions go go against him, it's usually Tyndall doing the the barking at the referee. So it was out of character. But I think as we touched on earlier in the pod, if Arsenal want to be at the top and keep this nine point gap, they're going to have to manage their emotions. And t- to be fair, I thought the players did quite well from Arsenal. They they kept their cool, but. Arteta, and I thought his comments after were, were quite were quite out of order, really scandalous. I mean, 
we've seen worse not giving the Premier League. Look, it was a it was a mistake from the referee. It, it didn't cost them, you know, a defeat. So yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was odd behaviour from him at full time and during the game. I suppose you know Newcastle have got a history, uh, especially of one manager at the top of the table not keeping his emotions in check. So maybe it's to be expected when you're there for the move the first time and, and looking likely to to win the, the, the Premier League. There was another Bruno moment down uh, in front of the the, the, the away end when he wins the tackle and he's screaming. I mean, you know, we saw a few weeks ago. You just love to see it, though. Yeah, fantastic character and exactly what you want to see, and especially in moments like that when the game's tight and, you know, the fans needed a lift in that corner. You saw the last 10 minutes of the game, the Newcastle fans, you know, every time the Sky cameras pan to them and they had their tops off, they were thinking, you know what, we've got a corner here, we can go and win it. So a big part of that is down to Bruno and his antics. And um, yeah, again, I thought he had quite a quiet game on the pitch, but he offers, you know, sort of quiet leadership roles, something that he's sort of grown into, I feel. We saw at times, you know, them, them trying to spray the ball like they have done against lesser teams. And, you know, they've got so many great passes of the ball across, across the pitch, really, Trippier and Bruno. And... It's going to be interesting to see how Newcastle's style develops over the rest of the season because there may come a point when you know there, there have to be major changes in the way they do play because teams find them out and you know we, we, we I think that's what was one of the pluses of last night as people have mentioned in the comments just how easy Eddie Howe adapted his team to face Arsenal and that's probably something he's going to have to do more and more as uh, the years go on. Yeah, look, he's done it all season against you know all types of opponents. He's he's making sure Newcastle find a way to win or grind out results. The interesting thing comes, as you've just touched on, is when teams actually start finding them out, when they learn how to stop that Bruno Miggy interlink, when they learn how you know how to stop Trippier bombing down that right or the you know Wilson getting space. But look, he's adapted to everything that's came to him so far, and I've got no doubt how we'll find another way when the time comes. Mm. To the transfer window, then we we you know we spoke yesterday about some names being linked, um, and it seems like the, the the one that is is definitely on the radar is the uh, the right back from Real Valladol, young youngster, nineteen year old. Uh, remind me of his name, uh, Ivan Fresneda. There we go. Never in doubt. Uh, it, it's interesting because I mean the talk seems to be that he would be loaned back to his side, but. I mean, Newcastle could probably do with him on the books, couldn't they? Yeah, look, I mean, as I've just said earlier, it's priority number two for me is making sure they get in a, a backup right back this season, um, especially with Kraft being out for so long. Um, yeah, there's this, you know, talk of, of a £10 million deal initially potentially rising to 30. Um, clearly a very, very talented right back playing in, in, in Spanish's top tier. Um, you know, talk that Dortmund and, and Juventus or other clubs stiffing around them. So I'm sure there'll be competition for him, but I would love to see Newcastle get in a player of that, you know, quality and, you know, he fits that age back at 18. He can learn from Kieran Trippier um, while also offering a bit of depth in that position. So hopefully, you know, it's one that can they can get over the line. Eddie, I was asked about the transfer in the last night on, on Sky and he said um, something along the lines of, you know, there's nothing imminent, there's no kind of plans to improve the squad. Now he's unlikely to come out and say, yes, we want X, Y, and Z. Is it a bit of kind of just reading between the lines, you think? You know, of course, they will go out if the right player's there to improve the squad. They will be looking. They will have had talks over the last few months. And you expect something to happen this this month? 
Yeah, I think I think one or two in. I think you know what you get with how when he's asked these questions, and as he always likes to say, he responds with, "I'm going to give you a boring answer," and you know what's coming, and that is you know pretty much a denial most of the time. But it doesn't look like anything's imminent at the minute from the incoming side. Um, but I think as the as the window goes on, a lot of it will depend on whether they get through these cup games, um, especially the Carabao. But I think yeah, one or, one or two before you know, Janet is probably most likely going to be an interesting month as I mentioned do head over to chroniclive.co.uk to keep it with all latest Newcastle news through our dedicated transfer live blog and we'll bring you all the build up to the game against Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup and then of course looking ahead to that quarter final against Leicester City on Tuesday remember to bring your scarves to St James's Park if you are indeed going to the ground to watch the game we'll have Live coverage of Sheffield or the game against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday through our live blog. The press conference on Friday as well. Yeah. Indeed. Always good to hear what Eddie has to say before the game. Just an exciting time to follow Newcastle United. Do head over to the website. Do hit the subscribe button and enjoy the rest of the game.